Good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Let's open with a word of prayer. God, we want to thank you for a new day. A new day to celebrate life, to be in you, uh, to gather with fellow believers. Um, God, sometimes we're just in awe that you are listening to us right now. And God, I pray that we would know that you're here with us, that you love us. Um, And I pray, God, that you would be uh, our focus this morning and every day, God. I pray, God, that you would speak through me and use me. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit... uh, would guide me in teaching and preaching, and I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit uh, would open our ears and hearts uh, to hear what you have to say to us today. We love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So this is the last week of our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We've been in the book of Matthew lately. And the passage we are going over today is Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Now, a couple weeks ago, uh, I went to play basketball with some of my friends. We went to a gym, uh, and one of my friends who was shooting uh, the basket, of course, I went over to him and gave him some pointers, trying to help him out with the shooting. You know, I told him, you, you got to square up to the basket. You know, you have to, uh, you know, make sure your elbows are at a 90-degree angle. You know, most importantly, in jump shot, you want to jump. So make sure you jump when you shoot. I gave him all these techniques, all these fundamentals. I was liking what I saw when, it, when he started shooting after I gave him all of this advice. So then we start playing the actual game. And somebody's guarding me, and I get the ball, and I, I, I rush. You know, I ignore all of my awesome fundamentals that I just taught my friend. And every time I get the ball, I rush. I, I, I got to score, and, and I totally ignore everything I told my friend about shooting and scoring in basketball. And I thought about that after the game. I thought, that's so weird that I, I, I know what to do. I know the fundamentals, I know how to shoot, even to the point of being able to teach somebody else how to do it, and yet when it came time to actually do it, I totally ignored it, yeah. And so I think this leads us into our passage for today. Let's go ahead and read it. So Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 29, Jesus closes his Sermon on the Mount by saying, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, 
and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So we see three things from this passage. The first thing that we see from this passage is that what Jesus teaches is for our good. We see that most of verses 24 through 25. Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine, and not just hears them, but does them, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the winds came and beat on the house. The rain fell on the house. The floods rose up on the house. And yet after it was all over, the house was still standing. You know why? Because it was founded on the rock. It had solid foundation. You know, sometimes I think we have this misconception that if we do enough good things, if we're Christians... Uh, If we open enough doors to let people walk through, if we're nice enough, that somehow we've made sure that the storms of life are not going to come. We say, if I'm good enough, if I do good enough things, then my life will be very easy and comfortable. But from what Jesus is teaching, we see that everybody experiences the storms of life. Uh, Even last week, uh, big football news. I don't know how much y'all follow football, but I had the radio turned on to a sports radio, and I was surprised to learn that one of the Dallas Cowboys' very best players on their offensive line, he's been to Pro Bowls before, one of their best players, his name is Travis Frederick, he was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. So doctors told him, we, we can't give you any timetable for when you return. You, you may return later in the season, or... You may not ever be able to walk again. How's that for a timetable? He has a very rare disease that um, 80% of the people that have it, I believe, are able to walk again, and 60% of the people that have it are able to regain all of their motor functions. But this is such horrible news for this guy, and the people talking about it on the radio said, oh, man, this is so sad. This guy is such a good guy. I mean, he he runs a charity. He's so nice to us. We've only ever seen maybe uh, one uh, bad example from him from our entire time with him. Other than that, uh, every time we're around him, he's just so nice. He does so many good things. It's so sad that he is going through this storm of life. We all have storms of life. As remarkable as this person is, as good of things as he has done, as many charity work that he does, he is going through a very intense storm of life. And so Jesus doesn't say, if you go through a storm of life, you need a strong foundation. He says, you're going to have storms in life. It may be sunny now, but it may be cloudy before you know it. And may not just be cloudy, it may be raining hard to the point of flooding. The winds may beat upon your life to the point 
that your house is shaking. So the storms of life are coming to everybody. But why is Jesus saying what he's saying? Is Jesus saying what he's saying so that he can be on Israel's Got Talent? No. Is Jesus trying to get more Twitter followers? No. Jesus isn't saying what he's saying so he can be super impressive. No, Jesus is saying what he's saying for us. Jesus knows that we need to hear what he's saying. Jesus knows that the storms of life are coming. And he knows that we're going to need a solid foundation for when they do come. And he says, if you hear what I say and you don't do anything about it, you just hear it, that's not going to be a solid foundation for you. But if you hear what I teach and you do it, well, that is going to be a solid foundation for you. That is something that will help you when the storms of life come. One thing I've thought about is sometimes we think, okay, if I follow Jesus' teachings, I'm, I'm betting my life on this, aren't I? I mean, we, people may have vacation houses these days, but back then your house was where you live. Where you put your house is where, what you're betting on to protect you and your family, to keep you safe. And so sometimes we say, well, I don't know if I want to actually live in what Jesus teaches. Maybe I want a vacation to what Jesus teaches, but I'm not sure I actually want to live where Jesus teaches or based on what Jesus teaches. And so we have this fear that uh, I'll, I'll do some parts of what Jesus teaches, but not all of it. But think about this. For those of you who follow Jesus, have you ever done anything that Jesus taught and regretted it? I know the answer for me is no. I can't remember ever doing something that Jesus taught and ever regretting it. I can't remember ever following Jesus' teachings and saying, oh, that, that led me in the wrong direction. Oh, that was bad for me. Oh, that didn't work out. No, sometimes it was hard. Sometimes it brought me out of my comfort zone. But I've never, ever, ever, ever regretted doing what Jesus taught me to do. And so that strengthens our faith sometimes to see that what Jesus says is trustworthy. And yet sometimes we do have problems trusting Jesus for the future. I'm not sure if I can actually do what Jesus said. But... Jesus isn't just saying some nice, wise things. Jesus is actually helping us. He's preparing us for the storms of life. He's leading us in the right direction. And if you do what Jesus tells you to do, it may be hard. It may lead you to places that you would not have gone otherwise. But you will never, ever, ever regret actually doing what Jesus teaches you to do. Why? Because he's teaching it out of love for us. He's teaching it because he cares about us. He's teaching us these things because he knows what will be good for us. The second thing that we see in this passage is that what Jesus teaches is meant to be lived, not just heard. You know, I mentioned earlier that sometimes we like to pick and choose from what Jesus says. Jesus, I'm not sure I want all of your teachings. I'll just take what I agree with and do those things. 
But that's not a foundation. You know, whoever built their house on a partial foundation. No, you, you build your house on a whole foundation. So sometimes we think we can just pick and choose from what Jesus teaches us, but what I want us to understand today is that that's not foundation. That's decoration. And decorations may sound nice. They may look good in your house. They may have some Bible verses that you like. But decoration's not going to help you any when the storms of life come. What's going to help you, what's going to support your house from crashing is building your life on the solid foundation, the whole of Jesus' teachings, not just the parts that you like. And if Jesus is who he says he is, then of course we're going to want to build our lives on what he says. And yet sometimes we think, uh, well, Jesus, uh, I'm, I think I know more about this subject. But really, Jesus says, if you ignore my words, if you just hear them and don't do them, you can still build a house, but I promise you the foundation is not going to be solid. And I promise you when the storms of life come, there's going to be a crash, and it's going to be a great, big crash. Not just part of the fence broke, but the whole house toppled down. This week, I began uh, an interesting, uh, you can call it addiction, an addiction to the Food Network. I don't know how it started or why it started, but it started, and I can't stop watching the Food Network. I've, discovered, I've, I've said, where has this thing been my whole life? Yeah, we got another Food Network um, fan in here, and it's hard to turn off, isn't it? I mean, it's so nice to just look at all that awesome food. It's so, I mean, I saw something the other day, uh, I think it was fried pork chops with this uh, jelly on it. I, I, man, I think there was some saliva coming out of my mouth. Um, so yeah, I could not stop watching it this week and thought, I like this, I like this channel. But if I'm hungry, is watching the Food Network going to fill me up? No. I mean, if you're a parent and your kid says, hey, uh, is dinner ready? Have you ever said, yeah, come in. I've got Food Network on the TV. Well, that's great, but I want food. No, no, Food Network is on TV. You can watch food. No, of course that's not going to fill you up because you're just watching. You're just hearing. But if you actually make food, if you actually not just hear what they say, but do what they say and make food, and I know that you don't just make food based on what the Food Network says. But what I'm saying is that if you just hear Food Network, rather than also doing it, you're not going to get any food. The Food Network shows you great food, great ways to make food, but it's not going to do you much food much good as far as eating if you don't do what Food Network says. So Jesus is saying the same thing. You can sit here and watch the Jesus Network. You can sit there and say, ooh, I like what Jesus says. It makes me feel good. Some of the things he says give me goosebumps. Wow, Jesus knows his stuff. He's awesome. And Jesus says, that's great to hear. It's great to hear me, but if you don't do what I say, 
it's not going to help you very much. It's just going to be decorations in your house. It's not going to be real solid foundation to build your life on. Jesus is inviting us to go deeper. Sometimes we, we like the sand. We want to make our house on the sand. But Jesus is inviting us to go deeper. When I first read this passage, I pictured kind of like a big rock coming out of the ground and building your house on it. But really, that's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about digging below the sand until you find the rock at the bottom. And Jesus is saying, I know you just want to camp out on the surface level, but follow me, dig deeper than you've gone before and build your life on the rock that I'm revealing to you. Um, One of the commentaries put it this way that I read. It said, during the hot summer months, the sand around the Sea of Galilee was hard on the surface. So during the hot summer months, you know, we picture sand being like maybe Florida sand. It's white. You you kick it, it goes up everywhere. Or people play volleyball and they get sand all over them. But no, in, in the Sea of Galilee, by it, the sand during the summer months, it would be hard. So of course you could think, oh, this is a nice place to build a house. But this commentary said a wise builder knew that he needed to dig several feet below the surface to the bedrock in order to establish the foundation of his house. We might say, oh, well, you know, maybe, but I'm not sure that's what Jesus meant. Well, we're in luck because Jesus also said a similar message in the book of Luke. So if you want, you can turn to Luke chapter 4, verses 46 through 49. And it's very similar to what our Matthew passage says. But I want you to look out for some differences if you can. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the streams broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. So two things. He says, he is like a man, whoever hears my words and does them is like a man who dug deep and laid the foundation on the right on the rock. Jesus is inviting us to dig deep. Sometimes it's hard to, to dig deep. Sometimes it's hard to dig, period. It takes some work. It takes us out of our comfort zone. Um, Jesus, wouldn't it be just a little bit easier just to build my house on this tough sand? But Jesus is saying, no, you don't get it. It's not always going to be summer. This foundation is not always going to be solid for you. It's going to shift. It's going to move around. And when it does that, your house is going to be vulnerable to the storms coming. But rather than do that, dig deeper to the bedrock. Build your house on it. And I'm not saying the storms won't come. They're coming. But when the winds beat on your house, when the floods rise because the rain falls, your house will still be standing even after all of that. And he also says something interesting in this passage in Luke. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? you know, your Lord is your master. 
Your Lord is the one that you obey. Your Lord is the one over you. But Jesus said, why do you call me master, Lord, boss, and not do what I say? I mean, what good does that do you? I mean, I, you could call me um, CEO of Apple, but does that mean that I'm the CEO of Apple? No. Like, just calling somebody something doesn't mean anything unless you actually view them in that way. If you call someone your boss and you don't do anything they say, they may be your boss in name. Oh, that's my boss right there. But it, how does it help? What, what good does it do if you don't actually do what they say? So Jesus says, if you hear what I say and don't do it, you can call me Lord, but there's really no point in that. I mean, you can call me a lot of things, but unless you actually live that way, unless you actually live with obeying what I say, then calling me Lord isn't going to do you much good. But living according to what I say, realizing who I am, in comparison to you, realizing that I actually know what I'm talking about, that actually means that I am your Lord. So so of course Jesus is our Lord. Of course Jesus is superior to us. But Jesus is saying, I don't get why you call me that if you're just going to ignore what I say. You know, like my friend, you know, he could... Uh, he could call me coach, but after I told him uh, that I ig- ignored all of the stuff that I taught him, he said, oh, haha, I did too. So I got to see what it feels like to be Jesus for a second. But, you know, it doesn't do good to call someone coach if you're not going to do what they say. And Jesus says, don't call me Lord if you're not going to make me your Lord. The third thing that we see is that what Jesus teaches is what God teaches. Let's read verses 28 through 29 again. It says, When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So what separated the way that Jesus taught versus the way that the other teachers of the law taught? What was the difference between the way that Jesus taught and the scribes taught, the Pharisees taught, the Sadducees taught? Why, when Jesus finished his Sermon on the Mount, why did everybody's jaw drop to the floor? Why were their mouths hanging wide open? Well, Matthew tells us that the reason for that is because Jesus didn't just teach like everybody else taught. Jesus taught with... Authority. Now the scribes may say, here's the scriptures, here's what I think it's trying to say, now go and apply it to your life. But Jesus said, here's, here's what I say. I say to you, I mean, Jesus was acting as a living, walking scripture. And this was pretty amazing to these people. Wow, Jesus teaches, but he's not like everybody else because he teaches with Authority. He teaches as somebody who we answer to. Jesus is teaching not as if he's trying to understand what he's saying, but as if he knows what he's saying. So why did Jesus speak with authority? 
Well, Jesus didn't speak with authority because he was arrogant. Jesus didn't speak with authority because he was bossy. It's pretty clear that Jesus isn't speaking all of this for himself. Jesus is speaking this for us. Jesus is speaking this to help us. So if he's not being arrogant or bossy, what is he? Well, from Scripture, we find out that Jesus is God in the flesh. And we talked about that a little bit at Bible study this morning, about how the book of Colossians says that Jesus is the image of God. When you see Jesus, you're seeing God in the flesh. Let's look at John chapter 8 real quick. John chapter 8, verses 56 through 59. This is an interesting passage because Jesus is speaking to a group of people. One of them says, uh, am I not wrong in saying that you are a Samaritan and that you are possessed by a demon? What he's trying to do is he's trying to take away um, some of the, uh, I guess you could say, authenticity of Jesus. He's trying to turn the crowd against Jesus. Now, of course, Jesus says, no, uh, I'm not possessed by a demon. Uh, But he also says, in verse 56 or 59, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Like, hey, you know Abraham lived like a long time ago, right? And you're not even 50 years old, and yet you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Does that sound like an overreaction to you? That sounds like an overreaction to me. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to throw at Jesus. You know, they treated him as somebody who was speaking blasphemy. This is a heretic. Let's get him out of here. What was wrong with what Jesus said? Before Abraham was, I am. Well, if Jesus was just speaking about how old he was, that wouldn't be a good reason to throw stones at somebody. If I said, I'm a thousand years old, y'all would say, you're crazy, but, you know, I'm not going to, like, kill you for that. But that, if we look below the surface, that's not what Jesus was actually saying. If Jesus was saying, I'm older than Abraham, then he would say, before Abraham was, I was. But he says, before Abraham was, I am. Now, if we look back to when Moses encountered, in the book of Genesis, when he encountered God in the burning bush, he says, what, what do I call you when I go back to my people? What, what am I supposed to, you know, they're going to want to know who told me all this stuff. What, what is your name? What should I call you? And God said, I am who I am. And so the Hebrew for that is Yahweh. So that's what's the personal name for Israel's God was Yahweh, which means I am who I am. So when, when Jesus says before Abraham was, I am. Am, do you think that their minds went to not just, oh, he's saying he's old, but he's saying, I am Yahweh, I am God. 
before Abraham was, not only was I there, but I am. I am one with God. When you see me, you see God. I mean, elsewhere Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So of course Jesus speaks with authority. If Jesus is God in the flesh, of course he speaks with authority. And here's the other thing. If Jesus is God in the flesh, then of course we would accept and not just hear what he says, but do what he says. I mean, if Jesus is just another scribe, if Jesus is just another interpreter, then yeah, I I guess I can pick some nice things that he says. I don't have to follow all of it. I can just follow what I like. But if Jesus is God in the flesh, I would be crazy to not do what he says. And so the audience is picking up on this. Jesus isn't just speaking like, hey guys, I recommend this. Jesus is saying, no, this is the right way. This is the right way to go in. I'm preparing you for the storms of life. I want to help you in your life. I want to prepare you And if you will not just hear what I say, but do what I say, you'll be better prepared for when those storms of life come because you'll have my words and my teachings as a foundation when you actually do them. Because those storms of life are coming for all of us. And if we're totally inexperienced in following what Jesus teaches, we can't just all of a sudden become awesome at it. We have to follow what Jesus teaches now And over time, we'll get more experience with it and better at it. And it's going to help us when those hard times come, rather than going away from what Jesus teaches and finding out that, oh, I'm actually on a very shakable foundation in my life. And the storms are hitting me, and I'm I'm crashing. I can't stand up in this weather because I don't have a solid foundation. Well, when they heard what Jesus taught... It may have sounded like good teaching. It may have sounded like Jesus was just showing them the way. And it was that. But Jesus also says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I I am God in the flesh. So you see, Jesus, he preached the Sermon on the Mount. He preached about the storms of life. But Jesus also experienced the storms of life, didn't he? Jesus himself experienced the greatest storm of life ever on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, that was the ultimate storm of life. And it's interesting when he he says, he talks about the two houses and he says the rain fell. Well, Jesus experienced rain, except he experienced it in the form of our sin. The rain of our sin fell on Jesus. The Bible says that he who knew no sin, he never sinned before. He who had never missed the mark, who had never sinned, became our sin. So Jesus became sin. He became our missing of the mark, our disobedience, our failures on the cross so that we could have what he had we could be seen as he was. He went to the cross and experienced the reign of our sin so that we could be forgiven for our sins. Jesus experienced all of our sins. Every sin that you've ever committed hung on that cross over 2,000 years ago because Jesus 
went there. Jesus said uh, the floods came, but Jesus was flooded on the cross by death. You know, the floods suffocate us, but Jesus, didn't he suffocate to death on the cross and breathe his last and die? Death filled him up and took him down, but we know that death could not hold him. Death did not have the final say, but nevertheless, he allowed himself to die. He allowed himself to go through our greatest fear. Death flooded Jesus. And Jesus talked about the wind blowing into the house. Well, the nails were blown into Jesus' hands and his feet. The crown of thorns were blown into his head. When you look at Jesus' description of the storms of life, we see even, even more nightmarish, worse description of the storms of life by what Jesus did for us on the cross. Sometimes we think, if I follow the Sermon on the Mount, if I do good, then that'll save me. Then that'll free me from death. That'll give me everlasting life. But no, only one person ever could do that, and that was God in the flesh. Jesus doing that for you. Jesus gave us his teachings, not so that we could be saved, but so that because we are saved, because we believe in him, because we trust in him, now we can know what to do. Uh, I read a book once called After We Believe, and it talked about how people were confused. I'm, I'm saved. What do I do now? Do I just sit in my room and wait to die? No, absolutely not. Jesus has shown you how to live. Jesus has given you his teachings. He's shown you the right way to go, not just for yourself, for the betterment of yourself, but for the betterment of others around you, for your neighbor as well. And so you can't do good enough. Jesus already did good enough. He became sin on the cross. You can say, oh no, I sinned, I messed up. But you can know that your sin was Jesus on the cross and your sin died on the cross. That's why death flooded Jesus so that our sin could die. But that's not the last chapter. The last chapter is Jesus walking out of the tomb. And just like in Bible study, we looked at Colossians. It said, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Now we can be the second and third and fourthborn, etc., 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 from the dead because Jesus did what he did on the cross. Because Jesus experienced the storms of life, not just storms of life, but the greatest storm of life, we can have the greatest peace of life. We can build our life on a firm foundation, but that firm foundation is not how good we are or how well we follow Jesus or how, uh, how percentage-wise of how good the things we do. You know, we might say, I have to do 100% uh, to have a solid foundation, but Jesus, said, Jesus says, I am your solid foundation. Build your life on me. And when you believe in me, when you trust in me, when you're grateful for what I've done for you, that will lead you back to my teachings and you'll say, Jesus, if you died for me, if you went to the cross for me, then who am I to totally just ignore what you said, to throw away your teachings? No, not only do I want to hear your teachings, I want to do them. I want in. Because you didn't just give us teachings and then go away somewhere else. No, you laid down your life for us. 
You gave your life up for us. And you didn't just say, oh, that's the end. No, you said, that's the beginning. Life in Jesus is not some ending. It's the beginning. And Jesus has shown us how to live our new life in the Jesus way. And the storms of life are coming. And if you don't do what Jesus says, that doesn't mean you won't be saved anymore. It doesn't mean you won't lose what Jesus gained for you. But it means you will go through crashes in life. It means you're, where you live, your house is going to have a great crash. And Jesus doesn't want that for us. Jesus wants our house to stand firm, not just on the foundation of what he did for us on the cross, but he also wants us to do what he says, not just because he's our Lord, not just because he's superior, but because he loves us. He knows what's good for us. You know, sometimes when you're tempted to go in the way that you know is not the Jesus way, you may have to tell yourself, no, I'm, I'm building my life on the rock. I'm building my life on the firm foundation. I'm not building my life on the sand because the sand's not stable. I'm building my life on the rock. Jesus knows what's best for me. And Jesus knows what's best for me. Even if I can't understand it, I can still, follow. I can still do it because I've never regretted ever following Jesus' teachings. But I only want to do Jesus' teachings because I know how much he loves me. I know what he went through on the cross for me. And out of that knowledge in my heart, out of gratefulness for that, I can live a life of obedience. And I won't be totally perfect, but I will know that I can trust Jesus and I can do what he says. And he would never call me to do something that he knew that I couldn't do. And I can do it because his Holy Spirit enables me to, guides me through everything. God's helping us through all of it, just as his Holy Spirit rose Jesus from the dead. So because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can be founded on the rock. But let's not just be hearers of Jesus' words and teachings. Let's be doers of his teachings because that's how people are going to see Jesus. That's how people are going to see who we are in Jesus. That's how people are going to know that the Jesus way works. And it's not just another way. It is the way and the truth and the life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the solid rock that is the death and resurrection of Jesus, God. God, we see you most clearly when we see Jesus, God. So I pray that when we read what Jesus taught, when we hear what Jesus taught, that we won't say, oh, that part's not for me, that part is for me, but we will know that we are made by Jesus, for Jesus, and through Jesus. Because of that, if that's what we are made for, and if that's who we are made by, then his teachings are perfect for us. Not just to look at, not just to hear, but to do. And we know that you're holding our hand the whole way through. Your Holy Spirit is guiding us through all of it. You're counseling us, you're helping us. I pray that we will keep our eyes fixed on Jesus the whole way, whether it's sunny outside or whether the storms of life are coming. We know that we can be found on the rock. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.